Hey guys, good morning. Uh, my name is Brad Alexander. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And I want to say welcome to you as well. I know Mark greeted us earlier um, to say thanks for joining us for worship today here. And we've been tracking through the book of Proverbs over the past couple weeks. And we're going through it this, this summer for a few more. And so if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 10, you can. We're going to be around there. But if not, we can listen in too. So, um, you know, Charlie a couple weeks ago kicked us off. Mark got us through some things. Um, and what I've been doing is I've been digging in actually where Proverbs starts to pick up some steam as far as what, if you're familiar with the book at all, what you may think of when you think of like Bible talk and Proverbs and like little wisdom statements. And so as I've been looking at it and studying it and making notes, you know, um, part of what I try to do when I'm coming up here to teach is just to see, man, what does God want to show me? What does God want to reveal things about me? And to see how that relates to where we all are in life. And one of the biggest things that I've realized, and I knew this, but this just really brought it out to light, is, man, I'm the kind of guy who really, really appreciates when something's done right. I mean, I just love it. If there's like a better way, a faster way, a simpler way to pull something off, to get something done, to make an experience better, Man, my ears will perk up. I'm curious. I want to hear about it. I want you to tell me about it. I'm going to ask you questions about it. Show me, tell me, let me know. Um, I just love it when something comes together and it just, it's just better and it's right. And it's, man, that was the right way to do that. Um, you know, for example, a few things that, you know, that maybe you don't know that I've experienced over my life is, you guys know when you wear some, sometimes you wear a pair of shoes and like that pair of shoes, like it just keeps coming untied. You ever had that happen? You're like, what the heck, man? You know, I tie my other shoes and it doesn't do that, but these do. There's actually a way that you can tie your shoes that's different than you normally do that keeps that from happening. I haven't che- I've tied my shoes different ever since I found that out. I'll show you sometime if you want to talk to me after this. It's life-changing, right? Um, since I've been married, you know, my wife and I, we brought life together over the past, you know, several, several years of how to do things and what's best. And what I've discovered is that there is a right way to fold towels to fit into a cabinet or a cupboard that will go in and it will actually make it stack clean and fill it up better versus the way that I was doing it. And I still have to be reminded often, but I've, re- I've figured out there's a right way to do this. Um, I, I also am a very hefty connoisseur of eating cereal. Um, and what I've also known, we can talk about this later, is that I can talk you through what the right milk to cereal ratio is to maximize that bowl of cereal dependent upon what kind of cereal it is that you're eating. It's not the same for everyone, but there's a right way to do it that just makes it good, that makes it taste better, that makes it do what I feel like the people that made the cereal intended it to do in the first place. Um, there's just a better way, and I love it, and I value that. You know, even, you know, I'm part-time here at The Grove, but 80% of my work, I'm a marketing and communications consultant. And so basically all I do all week is help people find better ways to do what they're already doing or simpler ways to do things. I'm just living and swimming in, hey, how can we do it right? How can we do it better? What could be done differently? And so my brain is just always in that mode. Um, We also have three boys, and two of them are like, in teenage mode. And so what I've realized as we've been parenting over the years is sometimes the way dad thinks need to be done and the way children think they need to be done don't always match up. Um, Surprise, surprise. And a phrase that I've just infused over the years when I've been trying to help them learn how to do something is, hey, we're going to do it right or otherwise we're going to have to do it twice. See, if you do it, we're going to do it right. That way we don't have to do it twice. 
hey, Dad, I'm done cleaning the toilet. Great, let's go check it out. Well, it turns out we got to do it again. Um, hey, I put cleaned up my room. Hey, let's go check it out. Uh, I think we could, it's, I don't know what this qualifies as clean. I think your sheets are on the bed, but that's about it. Um, so do it right or do it twice is just something that comes up in our house here and there. What's hilarious and they love is when I have to eat those words myself. Oh, you didn't do it right, Dad, so now we're doing it twice, right? Yeah, I see. It's a principle of life, guys. Um, something else that comes up versus the right and wrong is every once in a while, a handful of times in our marriage, I've, you know, I've been wrong. I've made some mistakes. Um, that's a joke. You guys can laugh. Uh, but there's a phrase that comes up, and it's, hey, mommy was right, daddy was wrong. Like the kids will echo that out. You know, mom was right, dad was wrong. Yeah, 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 I know, I don't know. But this whole idea of being right, doing it better, doing it well, when we do it, it just, it just feels good. Like when you plan something and you put something together and you feel like you've done a good job with it or whatever you know, master plan you had together comes out and it works and it just gets pulled off, man, it feels good. It feels right. It feels enjoyable. And God has wired that into us. That's part of how we are. And in his image is when something goes well, goes the way it's supposed to go, is better, is right. Man, we just, we light up. When something's noble, when something's just, when, a, when injustice is corrected or something that's this wrong with the world gets fixed, whatever it is, we celebrate that and we love that and that resonates with us as humans. But the problem is sometimes... We don't know what's right. I just don't know what the right thing to do is here. Sometimes two people both think that what their, their approach is or their opinion is is right. And then they butt heads. And they're not sure who's right, but they both think they are with good reason. And there's conflict. Or other times... I know what it is that's the thing that's right to do, and just frankly, I don't want to do it because it's hard or it's going to make me have to be vulnerable or it's going to take time. I don't know what it is. It's just I don't want to do it. So even as much as we enjoy when things go right or they're done right or whatever it is, there's still just times when we just we don't know what's right or two people think different things are right and they're button heads. Or I know what's right. I just really, really, really don't want to do it. And thankfully, and God hasn't left us hanging out to dry on that. His word speaks to that. Because he knows that when we're in that place of fog, of confusion, man, just when we're in that, man, I don't know how you get, but man, sometimes I get angry. I get worried. I'm confused. If it's just not clear, man, what's supposed to happen here? And nobody likes to feel that way. We don't really know where to go, what to do, who to ask. That doesn't feel good. That's not something that we enjoy. So today we're going to pick up in chapter 10 of the book of Proverbs. You know, a few weeks ago, Charlie kicked us off just talking about this book in general. And like I said before, like Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is kind of what most people, if they don't, if you haven't read the Bible much or you've kind of read a little bit of it, or you just kind of have a, an understanding of what religions teach and do, 
this, the book of Proverbs is probably what most people have in mind. It's a bunch of short statements that are just about life and about God that seem to be true, that, that have some truths about him. They, they're things that sound like Yoda might say them to Luke Skywalker, you know, like they're these kind of two little short phrases that are just packed with meaning, and they're just one after another all throughout the book of Proverbs. Um, they're things that, they're not promises, it's not like a guarantee, but they're stuff that's just, generally speaking, is true, observations about life. But within Scripture, within the Bible, there's also an element of God being involved in them. It's not just some pragmatic wisdom for the world, like it's something that's infused with faith and with following God. And then Mark last week set up in you know, the first nine chapters of this whole book of Proverbs, it's this big, long drama and po- kind of poetic structure of King Solomon pleading with his son to like, hey, get rid of foolishness, pursue wisdom. The way of the fool leads to death, leads to life, leads to destruction, or not life, leads to death and leads to destruction, but the way of wisdom is choice, it's precious, it's good. It's kind of like trying to convince him to make the decision one way or the other. And then here in chapter 10, it starts off, basically the rest of Proverbs is just filled with, all right, we're going to get super granular. Don't be a fool, be wise. Don't lie, be honest. Don't hurt people with your tongue, be helpful with your mouth. And on and on, these things that, that, that hit into the day-to-day structure of life, but there's reason behind it. And so that's what we're going to look at. And as we look through these things, what, you know, what, I, what I want you to know as you come, because we want you to read the Bible yourself and get into it. It's not just come hear somebody talk about it, but go, go home and read it. When you're looking through Proverbs, what you're not going to see is like 700 verses that have these two phrase sayings, and every two phrase saying is about some random other thing. Okay? It's not like, oh man, here's 700 little statements about 700 different topics. No, there's themes that are repeated over and over again. There's themes that get repeated that have to do with just how life is lived out. Like I said, um, things like being wise versus being a fool, being lazy versus being diligent, being honest versus lying, having an honest business practice versus a shady business practice, being generous instead of stingy, um, trusting God when things are hard versus not and turning to your own way. These rotate over and over again all throughout the book of Proverbs, and you can see them play out. And... One of the major themes that really sits as an umbrella over all of this, especially you see it in these first five chapters, are, is this contrast between the righteous versus the wicked. It'll be like, the righteous, da-da-da-da, their life goes this way. The wicked, it goes the other way. And you'll just see this over and over and over again. And so I'm going to read some of these because, man, I want you guys to hear this. Don't worry, I'm not going to, like, read Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. We will now read five chapters in a row. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to skim some of these and walk through them so you can just hear it repeated. Okay? Treasures gained by wickedness, they don't profit, but righteousness delivers from death. That's Proverbs 10, 2. Verse 6 and 7. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous and how people remember them, that's the idea. It's a blessing. But the name of the wicked will rot. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. 
Chapter 10, verse 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. 23 and 24. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. The wicked dreads what will come upon him, but the, right, the desire of the righteous it will be granted. The hope of the righteous, verse 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And down into chapter 11, I'm going to read a couple more. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. Over and over again, it's just you can't get away from it. There's the righteous and there's the wicked. The righteous and the wicked. Something that's true in life and also that you shows up when you approach God's word, when you're reading the Bible, you see things, is there's things that are repeated. And that's not an accident. It's not like the guy that, you know, as they're writing things and God's using people to write scripture, he's not like, oh, dang it, we forgot to say that. Let's say it again. Oh, dang it, we forgot to say that. Let's say it. Like, it's intentional. What is repeated is important. And the things that are important are to be remembered. Things that are repeated in Scripture are important, and if they're important, they're supposed to be remembered. And so the, the point is, it's not like God's like trying to annoy us by just saying, yeah, blah, 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 the righteous versus the wicked. It's like, hey, this is important. This is important. This is important. Pay attention to it. Like I said, we've got three boys at home, right? You think I ever have to repeat anything that's kind of important in the house? Hey, you might want to pick that up. Hey, would you mind picking that up? Hey, by the way, I'd really appreciate it if you clean that up after. Hey, would you mind picking that up? No, pick it up. Jeez, Dad. I've been saying it for days, you know. All right, we can tune out repetition because we think it's annoying us, or we can pay attention to what it is that's being repeated because it's important. In these five chapters alone, there are 56 comparisons of the righteous to the unrighteous. All right, so there's something God wants us to see through this. There's something, there's a point to that. Um, and what really we need to understand when we look at this is, you know, it's the umbrella comparison that these other things we'll look at fall into. But, again, if, you, if you're familiar with church at all, if you've come to church at all, um, or Christianity at all, in some fashion, like you also hear people say, hey, there's nobody righteous except God. We don't have a righteousness on our own. We don't deserve anything. We're not good on our own. We need Christ to pay for our sin, and God basically calls us righteous because of what Jesus died on the cross and rose from their grave to give to us. But here, it's almost like there's two camps. It's the righteous people and the wicked people. And so that doesn't, that doesn't seem to jive, right? It doesn't make sense. Well, if there's righteous people and wicked people, but none of us are righteous, so basically we all wicked, so we just should only pay attention. No, that's not how it works. Righteousness throughout, man, you can go Genesis, Exodus, all the way to Revelation. Righteousness is always basically attributed to people who are living by faith and trust in God. They've submitted to him, whatever he says, I'm, I trust Jesus, not myself. I trust God, not myself. And I'm living in, in obedience to him, trying to humble myself, seek him, let that faith in him 
affect the rest of my life. And whatever that is, God calls that, all right, that's, that's what righteousness, quote unquote, looks like. Basically just submitting to me and not yourself. And so all throughout Proverbs, when you see the righteous versus wicked, that's in play. That's not some random thing. It's, it's the righteous or those who, man, I'm, I'm seeking God. I'm following Christ. I really want to have, let him have control over my life and not myself. Let him dictate who I am. And so then when you see the righteous, whatever it is, and that's, that's who that is. It's those people. Versus the wicked is basically anybody who's like, forget that. I don't want to hear it. I don't care what you say, God. I don't care what you say, person. I know what I want. I know what I need. I know who I am. I got it covered. And that's the distinction. Obviously, we can all slip in over to this way of living, right? Even if we're following Christ. But that's it. It's either I'm, I'm submitting and I'm bowing down to God and letting him change me, or I'm like, whatever, forget it. I got it covered. So in the book of Proverbs, like I said, it's all about wisdom as well. And this whole thing is wisdom and righteousness and following God are all infused. But really, there's only these two ways that are, that are shown out for the rest of the book. It's the righteous who are finding who their faith is in following God versus the wicked, which is whatever. And so what we're going to see, and I'm going to read a couple of these more, is this first thing that you start to see pop out about the righteous is that basically righteous, it really is the better way. If it's like, which way should I choose, it really is the better way. The positive outcomes, the blessing, the favor of God, the joy that people have, it really is based in God and in Christ, and it, sh- and it just plays out. Um, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, Proverbs eleven nineteen. The blameless ways are a delight to God. I mean, that's a good thing. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. Chapter 11, uh, verse 5. Cha- verse 8. The righteous, they're delivered from trouble. This one I like too. Verse 10 in, in chapter 11. When it goes well with the righteous, the whole city rejoices. They're like celebrating. But with the wicked, when they perish, everybody's like glad it happened. There's these just outcomes. I mean, there's blessing, there's favor. Things go a little bit better. Generally speaking, if I'm following Christ, it doesn't mean it's easy, but there's peace and there's rest and there's joy and there's favor that comes in that. It is the better way. The problem is, if righteous, at least according to how Proverbs said, all the outcomes of the righteous are better, the problem is it's a lot harder than we realize because what really the essence of righteousness is is giving up control. If I'm living in submission to God, if I'm living in submission to Christ and I'm trying to do what he says and follow his ways, then I'm letting go of the things I'm trying to manipulate. I'm letting go of the things I want to hold on to. When I live in faith, by faith, trusting God for things, it means that I can't micromanage all the outcomes. I can't play it all out and knock all the dominoes down the way I want them to go. And that's hard. It's hard for me. Like I said, I I love it when things are done right. I also can become very micromanaging very quickly. Anybody ever seen the Lego movie? Maybe you have. I don't know. We got kids. There's these guys, send in the micromanagers. These robots come in and like fix all the Legos, right? That's how I feel I slip into that mode very often. 
One thing, if you know me and I get to know you, what you're going to learn hopefully is, man, I love you. And I love seeing whatever Christ is doing in your life. And if you're following Jesus and you've got struggles in that and you're trying to do whatever and see him show up more in your life and he's transforming you, I will celebrate that, enter into that, and be so fired up alongside of you as that's happening. I love that. I love seeing God transform lives. I know without a doubt that God loves you and he has a tremendous plan for whatever he has in store for your life. But as I, something I struggle with is I get to know you more. Sometimes I'm like, hey, let me help speed up that plan a little bit. Here's some things that I like to do. Maybe God would want you to do. You find out that Brad also loves you and has a plan for your life. You just didn't know that. And I'll get in and I want to turn, I'm just tempted to ah, just push buttons and turn knobs and make things happen. It's control. I want to do it right. I want to see it happen right. And you and my and friends and my wife and my kids, businesses, whatever, just, it's just I want to see it happen. But if I'm following Christ and I'm submitting and letting things sit and rest and I'm trying to obey him and follow him and trust him, i got to let go of that. But it's hard to do. The righteous live by faith, and that means giving up control, and it is the better way. It gives glory to God because he's the one that does the work, not us. It gives blessing to you because it draws you and I closer to him because we have to come in more of a close relationship with him to let that happen, which is just good. To live righteous means giving up control and trusting God. which is the beautiful part of it, but it's so hard to do. So as that theme weaves on throughout these first five chapters of Proverbs, something else that you start to see, it gets, it gets a lot more, like I said, granular with specific topics. Okay, if there's the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, well, how does that play out specifically in different places? And there's things that, that, that show up and another theme that keeps that I think recurs in here, and Kurt, you can put this up, is that basically sometimes trying to do it right actually keeps us from doing the right thing. Trying to do it right can sometimes keep us from actually doing the right thing. If I'm focused on results, if I'm focused on making mistakes or avoiding mistakes, if I'm getting lost in all the details of how it all plays out, we just get in there, and I just want to, mm, I want to do the right thing. I want to make sure it's right or do it better. And, and we're human. And so those things that we're trying to look at and control and manipulate, they scare us. And so we cling to the stuff that we can control. We cling to the things that we can touch. And so then we, we act in ways that actually create more problems. We, we, we step out to try to do things and set a landmine for ourselves and walk into it. We end up with a bigger mess than we were in the first place because we're trying to get in and control the chaos of the mess and trying to get into it. I mean, even thinking through, you know, flash forward to the New Testament when Jesus is on the scene, and if you've heard the stories of Jesus, like he interacted a lot with these guys called the Pharisees, and basically they knew God's word front and back, and they were ridiculous experts at doing it right. They followed things to the nth degree of making sure they did it right. But in the process of doing it right, they didn't treat anybody well. They weren't doing the right thing, and they were 
putting, heaping up extra laws and extra burdens. They didn't care about justice and mercy in the heart of people and picking up people who were down. Well, you just got to do it right. We got to do it right. Trying to do it right kept them from doing the right thing. So you get into a lot of the rest of this book of Proverbs and you see these other things pop up, which I feel like are where that shows up for me and for most of us. Addressing our lips, addressing how we talk, addressing our honesty, addressing our work ethic and our diligence, addressing our integrity. Just a few examples you see this play out of what would be the righteous versus the wicked way. You know, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked, they're going to be found out. These are all from chapter 10. 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We got boys at home. Oftentimes we come home and there's like Frito bags and Pringle cans open and all the cookies are gone. Hey, who ate all the stuff? Nine times out of ten, the person who starts talking first to tell them why it wasn't them is the one who actually did it. The babbling of fools, right? Oh, but I, I want to cover up. I'm not sure I've been found out. Let me kind of try to talk you out of it, right? Man, we all do that. I do that. If I get caught in a lie or, you know, if something comes up and I'm trying to pull off and do something to, to you know, short tail something, and my wife at, confronts me about it and brings it up. I'm like, right? Like, oh, let me figure out the angle here because we're tempted that way. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. The one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So our mouths can either be like a thrusting sword or they can be something that's used for healing. The same thing. It's not like don't speak or speak. How are the words being used? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. The hand of the diligent will rule while a slothful will be put to forced labor. Whoever slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Lips, honesty, integrity, blamelessness, how I talk, how I treat people, where's my heart at in that? That is where doing the right thing sometimes can keep us from doing, or trying to do it right can keep us from doing the right thing. Well, I got to call that out. I got to bring that up. I got to point out that fault. Okay, maybe not right now. Is that going to be helpful right now? I got to cover that up because I made a mistake because I don't want another mistake to happen. Well, maybe you just need to stop and own the mistake that you began with and let forgiveness and grace come in from the people that you're owning up to and asking for forgiveness. We create messes on accident by doing that. When I try to control people with my words, they stop being a fountain of life. When I lie to my wife and, like I said, she confronts me, I'll babble like a fool. Doing the right thing over and over and over again, you will see played out in the book of Proverbs, basically boils down to this is trusting God and it ends up helping and serving other people. Um, If I'm trusting God and this is actually going to result in helping and serving others in some way, then I'm probably on the right way. Otherwise, I'm probably trying to make excuses for my wickedness, as Proverbs would call it. And that's hard. I don't, I don't like to feel that. 
the other thing that plays out is, you know, when we're trying to follow God and, and be intentional with it, we want to, and we're trying to do things right. Like it's very, all through scripture, there's some very blatant things that are, they're just right and they're just wrong. Like you do do this and you shouldn't do that. Like don't kill people, don't commit a murdery, mur- or adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Like, okay, but there's a lot of gray in there where you, where you it's, it's not as clear on what to do but there still is a righteous way versus a, a wicked way. And where that comes in really is that righteousness a lot of times looks a lot more like wisdom than morality. Okay, am I discerning that this person maybe not be the best time to talk about this right now or am I just scared? Um, am I being diligent to work and follow through on this even though I don't want to? Am I being helpful and building up with my words or the things I'm about to share, trying to, even though they might sting, I'm actually trying to help or am I just trying to jab somebody and bring them down? They're not clear, but there's wisdom in play. And it's almost like all throughout the book of Proverbs, what we see is that the righteous, the way of the righteous are basically, they're people who are just obsessed with letting Jesus kick the fool out of them over and over, man, get the fool out of me, Jesus. Just kick it out. But we all got some of that in there that needs to be knocked out and we're following him, submitting to him and trusting him and letting that play out. Whereas the way of the wicked, they don't want to hear anything of it. They prefer their own ideas, their own decisions and their own logic. It's hard. I can't, I can't wrap my hands around wisdom. I can't touch and manipulate and control what trust and rest in what God's doing and the outcome looks like. Something else that's repeated over and over again throughout Proverbs, as you see it, as you read, it just pops in kind of like a reminder. Hey, by the way, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that is death. Like that specific phrase is in like three or four different chapters. It just kind of pops up. Where the contrast is, man, there's a way that leads to life. It's trusting God. And so as simple as I can make it, but I think hopefully as profound as I think it even needs to be, is don't be a fool. Follow Jesus. Don't be a fool. Follow Jesus. So much of this is submitting to who he has called us to be, knowing, getting into the word and seeing, okay, what... What does Jesus even talk about? What does God say is important? How does that affect my life? Am I reading the word? Am I around other people who are trying to follow Christ so they can speak into things? When I need to make a decision then I'm trying to figure out or I'm struggling with some aspect of my marriage or my business or my life and I don't know what to do. Do I have people who are following Jesus around me that I can ask about that, who can redirect me or confirm something I'm already thinking because I'm worried about what the right thing to do is. We can't make ourselves better. You don't need to leave this room and be like, I got to go do a better job. We all need to leave here being like, I just want to follow Jesus and let him help me give up control and see that play out in more ways in my life. That's what we can do. And that's how the fool will continue to be weeded out of us. And we'll live with wisdom. We'll live with grace. We'll live with hope and become refreshing sources of life to those around us and just in our own life, we'll experience it.
Let's pray.